I think we learned this morning why we should live lives as an open book. (laughs) Because if you have children, your life seems to be an open book. (laughs) We want to thank thank you for the insight into Candace's life. (laughs) Well, as you know, we're in Philippians. Aaron hit on that this morning. I want to read to you uh, the scriptures that we're going through, verses 20 through 26 of chapter 1 of Philippians. It says, According to my earnest expectation and hope, that I will not be put to shame in anything, but that with all boldness Christ will even now, as always, be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I am to live on in the flesh, this will mean unfortunately fruitful labor for me, and I do not know which to choose. But I am hard-pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and to be with Christ, for that is very much better, yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that your proud confidence in me may abound in Christ Jesus through my coming to you again. Father, again, we thank you for the scriptures that we're looking at this morning, and and we thank you for this lesson we just had, and I pray that as we continue in your word that, God, we will hide this in our heart and we will apply it in our lives every day, Father God, that we will be those witnesses that you ask us to be, to bring glory to Jesus Christ, to your Son who died for us, Father, who, who was arisen for us, and we thank you. So, Father, be with us now. I pray that the distractions will be removed, Father God, that, that I will be your vessel, Lord, you would use us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Just a, a kind of by way of quick review as we go forward, you know, we, we talked a little bit about verse 20 and verse 21 uh, last week, talking about that, that there's some marks of a great Christian believer here we see in Paul's testimony. And the first thing that we see is that there's, we have this one great expectation and hope, and that's to magnify Christ in our body. And that's what Paul is doing here. He begins to, to, to draw this picture of, of what it's to look like. I talked about this earnest, earnest expectation that he has, that it's to gaze into the distance with your head erect and outstretched. It's with anticipation. It's with intensity. It's with eagerness. It's to be concentrated and focused. And he's focused on living this life for Jesus Christ. He's, he's focused on all of this. And, and his, his expectation and hope wasn't to, wasn't to be released from prison, wasn't to, to not face punishment or whatever it was. What it was was to magnify Christ in his body. That's what all he wanted to do. Even in the circumstances that he was in, he just wants to magnify Christ. I find that interesting. Paul knew the weaknesses of the human body. He knew all of that. I I like how he referenced there again by life or by death. Even in facing death, he's going to magnify Christ in his body. And as he faces life, he will magnify Christ in his body. I I think about that. Probably would be harder to magnify Christ alive than dead, huh? Shared a lot of scripture about his struggles, how he struggled to yield all the parts of his body in Romans 6, how he struggled to control his mind in Corinthians and Philippians, how he he committed himself to the work for the love and justice within all of society. We looked at that in Matthew. 
He gave his life. He gave every single moment of his life to reach and to minister to as many people as he could. We found that in John and in Acts. And I ask you some questions. What are you living for? Are you living for comfort? Are you living for a position? Are you living for just your family? Are you living for recognition or honor or popularity? What are you living for? And does any of it do you any good when it comes to Christ? I want to continue this morning in verses 22 and 23. See, we should be able to finish this up this morning. Verse 22 again says, But if I am to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me, and I do not know which to choose. Verse 23, But I am hard-pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and to be with Christ, for that is very much better, yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. See, the great Christian believer has one great dilemma that I see. That's to either live or to depart and to be with Christ. It's kind of an interesting dilemma that we have. And I kind of find it, it kind of, as you begin to, to take a look at this word depart, it becomes a little bit more evident why this is such a, a tough decision here. The word depart there really has kind of a twofold meaning here. And it really speaks to our hearts as we look at it. The first thing it means is to like break up or to, to loosen as in breaking a camp. It means to kind of pull up the ropes, pull up the stakes. And the reason that's so important is it's this picture of packing up and moving on to a new location. It's packing up and moving on to this new location. It's the same believer that we have when we depart from this life. It's not ceasing to exist. It's just kind of moving on. And it's moving on to where it's better. Amen? It also means this, though, the the loosening of the moorings of a ship to weigh anchor, to set sail for another port. I love the pictures that this gives to us. Again, it's not about us ceasing to exist. It simply means that, 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 that the moorings in this life have been loosened, that we've pulled up anchor and we're setting sail to God's eternal presence. And you kind of think about that and you let it sink in and it's like, no wonder it's such a hard decision. Or is it? Paul says here that he's caught up in these two great desires. He's, this dilemma that he's in here. His first desire, he says, is, is to live this, this fruitful service for the Lord Jesus Christ. I think this is so important for us to hear. He says, he, he talks about it, he says, but I am hard-pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart to be with Christ, for that is very much better. Yet to remain on in the flesh is necessary for your sake. Why is it? And he said it earlier, because it will mean, he says it in verse 22, it will mean fruitful labor. He's saying it's not just living for myself. To die as gain, to live as Christ. It's not to die as gain, it's to live as Rick. It's to live that life for Christ. It's to be a fruitful laborer, one who serves God with every part of his being. We see that in Paul all the time. He serves and he serves. It's not about Paul. It's about his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So his desire is to live this faith, this life of faithful service for his Lord. But the other desire there is to depart, to go on to be with Christ, which he says is far better. And, and, and I started thinking about that. You know, it, it's funny. If you've ever talked to someone who doesn't really know Christ and you start talking about death and you start saying, man, I, I can't wait to be with Jesus in heaven. Have you ever looked at the faces on people? 
I, you're, you're basically saying, I can't wait to die. People look at you like, you are nuts. And that would be the natural desire. Why would you want to die? But we as Christians, we have faith in Jesus Christ. We understand that we don't taste death. When, for us to die here is to immediately, in the blinking of an eye, to be with Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We won't taste death. And so death doesn't scare us anymore. Oh, death, where is thy sting? That's a little bit odd for the world. But for us, it's, it's like, whoa, that's perfection. And so Paul struggles with this within himself. He's struggling with these two desires. To be with Christ or, or to be here and to serve faithfully. <coughs> to have a fruitful life for Christ. See, for us to die, what does that, that mean for us? You know, for me, if I'm to die and I'm to be with Christ, there's some things that, that are going to happen. I'm going to be perfected. I don't have to look forward anymore to pain or suffering. I don't have to look forward to being sinful anymore, any of that corruption. I don't have to look forward to any deformity or disappointment, any fear or loss. I don't have to look forward to that anymore because I'm with my Lord and Savior. I'm in perfection. I am perfected. And I get to do that throughout the new heavens and the new earth. And I will serve Christ and I will worship Christ forever and ever perfectly. That's why we could smile at death. The promises of God to us as believers are very phenomenal things. And, 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 and to think about it, think about this. For us, to think about the promises that we have from God as believers explodes our minds. Imagine the non-believer. For this reason, we can declare to die is to gain. To die is gain. And I think about the promises of God. There's, there's the promise of never dying, right? That promise of living forever, as I said. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever would believe in Him would not perish but have eternal life. He gives us eternal life. But then there's this promise, and really I think it's one of the dearest ones to our hearts. This promise of being with Jesus Christ Himself forever and ever. Amen? John 14, 2-3 says, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. It's that promise of living with Christ Forever, can you imagine? There's a promise of receiving this glorious body that we're going to get just like Jesus' glorious body. 1 Corinthians 15, 50 through 53 says, Now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep. But we will all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For this perishable must put on imperishable, and this mortal must put on immortality. We will live with Him forever, but not just living with Him forever, we will have a glorious new body. See a couple of you smiling. I always think people look at me and that's why they smile. They think, how can it get any better than that? 
There's this promise of being made an heir of, with God. An heir of God. Romans 8, 16 and 17. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If, listen to this, if, the little, biggest little word in the Bible, if indeed we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. Paul has talked about this faithful life of service. There's going to be suffering. There's going to be sacrifice. But it's all for the glory of God. He says if we suffer with Him, we will also be glorified together with Him. And then there's this promise of of ruling and reigning with Christ. I, I, I like thinking about that one at times. This ruling and reigning with Him forever and ever. Matthew 25, 23 says this. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You are faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Folks, we've got to learn to be faithful with even the smallest of things. I think sometimes we get so caught up in our Christian life and our Christian ease that we think it's got to be big and glorious. When God says, I just want you faithful in the little things. And as you're faithful in the little things, you might be given some bigger things. But it's those little things that probably matter the most because we tend to make them unimportant things. And I think about there could be promise after promise that I could talk about, that I could list, and there could be reason after reason that we could just be given to why we we as faithful believers sometimes ache to go on to be with the Lord. All of these promises that he's given us. I was reading Barclay again. You know, I like him. He says it this way. I like it. It's about that it's going to be a glorious day of union and reunion. He says it's a glorious day of union with our wonderful Lord and a glorious day of reunion with our loved ones who have gone on ahead of us. The only word that can adequately express all that God has prepared for us who know him is the word that is the same in all human languages. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And it's no wonder we can look forward to that day and not fear. Matthew 24, 4. For this reason you also must be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not think He will. We need to be ready. We need to be faithful to those small things. We, We need to be doing the work that God has set before us. Luke 12, 35 through 36. Be dressed in readiness and keep your lamps lit. Be like men who are waiting for their master when he returns from the wedding feast so that they may immediately open the door to him when he comes and knocks. Verses 24 through 26 as I wrap this up this morning. Yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. These scriptures, these two scriptures say so much about Paul's faith. And I think sometimes when we're reading it, we're excited about it, but I think sometimes we miss, a, miss something here. And the fact is that, that what Paul begins to show us here is that, that as a great Christian believer, that, that, that I have to have one great willingness, and that's to serve sacrificially. See, this is a very interesting statement by Paul when you really look at it and look at it and, and, and seek it and, and see what he's saying. He's sitting there in prison, right? He's waiting for this trial, which is going to determine whether he lives or dies. And we sit and we look at that and we think, okay, he, he, they're going to judge him. We, don't, you know, we know the outcome, right? Because we've read it. We've read the end of the book. 
But Paul's sitting there. He, he's going to be tried. And he's going to live or he's going to die. Those are the only two choices. And he doesn't even know what his life's going to look like if he lives. And at that very moment, as Paul is sitting there in that prison, something happens to Paul. Something very important happens to Paul. And it's either through thinking about the needs that have existed in the world and in the churches, or through some sense from the Holy Spirit. But did you see what Paul said? He was convinced that he would be found innocent. He was convinced that he would be found innocent. He says that in verse 20, convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you for your progress. How in the world does he say that? He doesn't know the outcome, or does he? He is convinced that he will be found innocent of all these false charges. He's convinced that he will be released from prison and he will be able to continue in this service of Christ that he's been called to. Did you see that? It's not because of him. It's not for his sake. It's not for his enjoyment of life. He would be released so he could what? Continue to minister. Folks, can I just say this? If you're here today and you're a child of God, you've been released. You've been released from the bonds and the chains that have held you tightly to this world. You're free and you have a brand new life. How are you using it? Are you only seeking yourself edification, your, your self-centeredness? Is that all we're seeking because it's all about me, me, me? God, feed me. And he says, feed my sheep. God, show me, disciple me. And he says, go and make disciples. God, give me this abundant life. And he says, lead a sacrificial life. One that is not conformed to this world. But one that is given to us by Christ Jesus, our Lord. He says, go and live it. You're free. Are you convinced of that? See, maybe that's the question we need to be asking ourselves today. Am I convinced that I am free, that I can go into this world and I can share? It was interesting this morning, we were talking in our Sunday school class, and one of the things that holds us back many times from witnessing to a lost and dying world is a fear for ourselves. Well, they may not like me, they may persecute me. Can I tell you something? You're being persecuted every day. Get real. And when we lead that life of I can't talk to people because they may not like me, Let me tell you something, folks. You're in chains. You're in bondage to yourself. We're free. And we're free indeed. I want you to see the point of Paul's heart here. He longed to reach people for Christ and to meet the needs of the world that's under this weight of desperation. People desperately want to know Christ. We have to be convinced of that. Instead of convincing ourselves they don't care, no, they do. They just don't know. And it's up to us to share. Romans 14, 19, Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to a mutual edification. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, 
pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. And what is the church's work? To go. To go. So for crying out loud, go. Let's be who God has called us to be. If you're here this morning, I've told you about Christ and and, and you've seen that we've talked about how he's died for us and, and how God sent his son as a sacrifice for us. He gave his life for you. Would you give your life back to him? He asks for us to sacrifice ourselves to him, to give our lives to him so he can raise us up brand new. Father, we thank you again for our day. Lord, it's so good to come and worship you and to, to, to talk about you and to, to, to study your word. God, it's my prayer this morning that, that as we looked at Paul's testimony, that we, we see this desire for him to serve you. And God, we could be like that. We need to have that zeal and that energy in our lives. May we be those people, Father someone here has never given their life to you, God, please, today, call them. Let us talk to them. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask Brother Jim and Jeremy, you guys can maybe come stand here. Maybe you just want to come and pray with these men. Maybe you want to come kneel here and pray. Maybe there's some commitments you need to make. Maybe there's somebody you want to talk to. Let's deal with it, folks. Let's not just sit on our rears anymore and do nothing. It's kind of a Western saying, right? These guys will be here. If you want to talk to me, come on up. But I'm singing. Let's stand. If you want. Or sit.